Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The George Wilder Jr. Show is on the air. <laughs> we're on the air, folks. Uh, we're having some difficulties here, so hang in there with us. Uh, this is George Wilder Jr., uh, and we are still in the midst of a pandemic. Over 50,000 people have, 50,000 or 51, uh, are uh, deceased now in the state of Illinois. And this, what am I saying? In America, in Illinois, it's I think it's about 40,000 something to that effect and but this virus is this is it's um it's always uh killing people or infecting people and we're finding uh other ways and new ways to try to stay safe the george wilder jr show is now on the air
Dollamore Daily, and I'm Jesse Dollamore. So I've been saying that Fox News is dangerous for a whole lot of years, and not just based on the fact that they, they push uh, lies and conspiracies, not just the fact that they put forward illegitimate political policy ideas as legitimate, and not even for the fact that they prop up white supremacists as, as primetime hosts in Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson. Not even because of that. We're finding out now that they have actually harmed Americans. There's two studies I want to talk about today. One is this new study on hydroxychloroquine, the drug that Donald Trump has been touting, and by virtue of that, and in tandem with Donald Trump, Fox News has also been promoting it with no regard for the consequence, with no regard for the negative reactions that people could have, with no regard for the hoarding that would take place of this medicine, leaving the original intended recipients of it, uh, lupus patients, rheumatoid arthritis patients, the, the malaria patients who, who desperately need this drug to be treated, uh, they're left without it. No regard for that. It is pressing forward with whatever Trump agenda he wants. Here, here's just a brief clip, just a few seconds of Donald Trump and his impassioned plea about the virtues of hydroxychloroquine. What do you have to lose? Take it. I really think they should take it. Hydroxychloroquine. Try it. Hydroxychloroquine, which I think, as you know, it's a great... Malaria drug, it's worked unbelievably. Now, look, when Donald Trump says, what do you have to lose? Or he suggests that he, we take he it. In, in previous clips, he said, well, I'm not a doctor, but I'm a smart guy. Neither am I, but I what do you have to not, lose? He's backed away from it. A new study has come out. Well, now let's back up before we get to yes. this. No one is saying definitively, no one of any repute is saying definitively that this is a winner or a loser. People who are smart, people who are reputable say, let's hold out until actual studies come through that would say one way or the other, that would lead us to a conclusion based on evidence and science and research and data. <laughs> Not Donald, Donald Trump. Trump doesn't do that. Fox News doesn't do that. No, his his, his um, benefactors... <laughs> Like Dr. Oz, they don't do that. They want to speak <laughs> with certainty. Oz, they, want to, they want to push this cart ahead Sony. of the information that we have. So consequences be damned. So anyway, uh, a new study has come out, a small study. 328 patients from the VA. Not peer-reviewed. There are tons of limitations to this. But they found that 22% of the patients in this small, non-peer-reviewed study died who were given hydroxychloroquine and zithromycin, while 11 who were not given it, 11%, 11.2 or 11.4% who were not given it, didn't die. So in this non-peer-reviewed, small uh, uh, study, 
double the patients who were given hydroxychloroquine died. Double than that of those who did not receive it. This isn't to say that, see, all the other people who were saying it's great were wrong. This is to say, look, there's other evidence out there, equally limited, that say it is not just uh, not harmful, but absolutely there could be a negative repercussion from taking it. And now that this has come out, Fox News is singing a little different tune. Here's a clip from April 2nd, Dr. Oz and the goons on Fox <laughs> and Friends touting the glory goons of hydroxychloroquine right. and questioning, why is it that some doctors aren't prescribing this? Could this be political? Are they just trying to damage Donald Trump? Dr. Oz, I don't people. get this. Let's reframe this. You ready? So the French say it works. Yeah. The Chinese say it works. You're getting studies that show it works. You're trying to tell people in New York to test this. You said you were going to. Have you been able to get an answer if they're testing this or not? When do you think perhaps, even though you don't know for sure, politics is playing a role in this, the fact that the president uh, was thought he, was, he could be optimistic on it, did that actually bring politics into this? And is this cure not moving forward because people don't like the president? You know, Brian, I, it's very hard to, to judge motivation. I can only judge action. And I know that in New York State now, you're not allowed to prescribe this medication to patients. I believe the reason Governor Cuomo did that was to protect patients who have lupus and rheumatoid arthritis because he was worried folks would hoard the medication. So you, you take people who definitely benefit and theoretically benefiting patients would just hoard it. So I, I don't know motivation. I just know that it, that... When you have the Doctor, federal government uh, saying, as, uh, as on, your show, yeah, on the town hall we did on Fox and uh, News last week, the vice president said that the FDA was okay with patients uh, getting this from their doctors. Over the weekend, the FDA passed a ruling saying, okay, you know, it's off-label, but go ahead and do it. And then we're not allowed to prescribe it as physicians in New York, which means members of my staff, friends of mine, I tell them to go get hydroxychloroquine. They cannot get it legally in New York. And I think that's a concern. Yeah. Genius. Yeah medical scientist Brian Kilmeade there. And then this was from yesterday. This is from two days ago. After this study from the VA was released. Questioning Dr. Oz, watch this. All right, so let's move on to hydroxychloroquine. They did a study, uh, a limited study at a VA hospital, and they came to the conclusion it did no benefit, and they still had 19 deaths. What's your reaction wow. to that since you've been doing, uh, we've all been doing heavy work to find out where, if this works or not? Well, the VA study looked at older and quite a bit uh, sicker patients, all, all male patients in their hospitals, and they showed that the drug by itself didn't help and might harm that population. As you know, there have been other studies. Uh, now this, the VA study was retrospective. They looked back to see what had happened because they weren't gathering the data at the time uh, that they were actually uh, giving the, med the medications. Uh, studies that have done this prospectively, so looking forward and giving it as they as collecting data as they're going along, like in France or the randomized trials from China, have shown benefits, but only really when it's given earlier to patients. The fact of the matter is, we don't know. Thankfully, these, doc these medications are prescription only, so doctors are desperately awaiting the completion of the higher right. quality randomized trials. And we've co you've covered them on the show several times. Uh, South Dakota, University mm -hmm. of Minnesota now has over 1,000 patients randomized. Uh, there's additional trials going on. Let's get that data so we know what we're dealing with. And just to follow up real quick oh, also, on hydroxychloroquine. Let's go ahead and get the, uh, just, is it, is it important to know what they're combining it with? And the dosage, 
Because it's not supposed to be taken on its own. Don't you have the Z pack? There's a lot of variables, Brian. I got to say, I I think at this point, there's so much data coming from so many places. We are better off waiting for the randomized trials Dr. Fauci has been asking for. Otherwise, we keep reacting back and forth for studies that show opposite results. And a lot of it might have to do with when you get the medication. If you give it to people who are already having breathing tubes down their throat, it's not going to have the same kind of effect as if you give it early. But we don't have randomized data from the United States to educate us well enough right now. Right. The key is trying to figure out how it all works and what we can do and what going forward works the best. Yeah. Singing a quite different tune, a more sober tune, a more muted tune about hydroxychloroquine. Again, this study should not lead anybody to draw conclusions, final conclusions. That is the point. We don't know. They're not talking we should about allow the experts in the field to determine, because we're not experts in the field. That is more evidence of Fox News doing damage to America yep. at the behest of Donald I Trump. Agree. Following the lead of a moron <laughs> rather than the lead from epidemiologists and <laughs> scientists and medical professionals. Maybe a little bit more. Taking the lead of Dr. Oz who is a quack, who promotes miracle weight loss drugs on his program with the moniker Dr. Oz. Irresponsible quackery. I love it when people are... The other study that just got released is from four economists who did a study that found, again, not a peer-reviewed study, but from four very well-respected researchers, that... Because of Hannity's disinformation, he very likely put people in harm's way, convinced them not to social distance. They, they followed, I'm going to read from the abstract of the study, but Sue they followed uh, comparatively Hannity's mm. coverage to mm. Tucker Carlson's coverage. Because in the beginning of this, he's kind of changing his tune now in support of these ding-dong protesters who are out there endangering themselves in their communities while protesting because they can't go get a haircut. They can't buy paint. They can't go to their local American flag shop and buy a flag. He's changed his tune. But in the beginning, he was absolutely talking about the very real danger, the very real public health threat that the coronavirus posed. Hannity did not do that. Hannity called it a hoax. He followed the, the routine of Donald Trump. So they looked at the audiences of both Hannity and Tucker Carlson down and, and, and used uh, the metrics that they used were publicly available uh, television viewer data at the county level. And then they took public health data to see the trends of infection based on the counties that were more likely or did uh, watch Hannity more. Anyway, I'm going to read from the abstract because it is, it is fascinating that they absolutely found that, that Sean Hannity endangered people, likely led to people's deaths, all to support a narrative that the president at the time was press, uh, pushing forward from the abstract. 
We study the effects. By the way, uh, come out of this. Uh, I'm going to put the link to the study at the very top in the description. So if you want to read the actual study, get into the numbers. If, if you're talented with statistics and you want to see what their methodology was, it'll all be there, very transparent. I'm just reading from the abstract, which isn't necessarily uh, the be-all, end-all of what they found. But it gives us a good idea. So I'm going to read from that. We study the effects of news coverage on the novel coronavirus by the two most widely viewed cable news shows in the United States, Hannity and Tucker Carlson Tonight, both on Fox News, on viewers' behavior and downstream health outcomes. Carlson warned viewers about the threat posed by the coronavirus from early February, while Hannity originally dismissed the risks associated with the virus before gradually adjusting his position starting late February. We first validate these differences in content with independent coding of show transcripts. In line with the differences in content, we present novel survey evidence that Hannity's viewers changed behavior in response to the virus later than other Fox News viewers, while Carlson's viewers changed behavior earlier. We then turn to the effects of the, on the pandemic itself, examining health outcomes across counties. First, we document that greater viewership of Hannity relative to Tucker Carlson tonight is strongly associated with a greater number of COVID-19 cases and deaths in the early stages of the pandemic. The relationship is stable across an expansive set of robustness tests. To better identify the effects of differential viewership of the two shows, we employ a novel instrumental variable strategy exploiting variation in when shows are broadcast in relation to local sunset times. These estimates also show that, that greater exposure to Hannity relative to Tucker Carlson tonight is associated with a greater number of county-level cases and deaths. I'm going to read that sentence one more time for good measure. Because this is an important thing that they found using statistical models, using statistics, using uh, science methodology. These estimates also show that greater exposure to Hannity relative to Tucker Carlson tonight is associated with a greater number of county-level cases and deaths. The more people who were exposed to more Hannity relative to Tucker Carlson were more likely with a great, with they were associated with a greater number of county-level cases and deaths. County-level infections and deaths. Back to the abstract. Furthermore, the results suggest that in mid-March, after Hannity's shift in tone, the diverging trajectories on COVID-19 cases begin to revert. We provide additional evidence consistent with misinformation being an important mechanism driving the effects in the data. While our findings cannot yet speak to long-term effects, they indicate that provision of misinformation in the early stages of, of a pandemic can have important consequences for how a disease ultimately affects the population. Fox doing damage. Fox harming the people to whom they have an obligation to give accurate data, accurate information, accurate reporting to, which also 
just based on demographics of their most popular and loyal audience base, are some of the most vulnerable health-wise among us, an older, aging population. No doubt Hannity will deny this. And this is not yet peer-reviewed, but I think it's likely to be. Love to know what you think. 714-576-4054. Email me daily at dollamore.com. I'm here today to talk about a disturbing question, which has an equally disturbing answer. My topic is the secrets of domestic violence. And the question I'm going to tackle is the one question everyone always asks. Why does she stay? Why would anyone stay with a man who beats her? I'm not a psychiatrist, a social worker, or an expert in domestic violence. I'm just one woman with a story to tell. I was 22. I had just graduated from Harvard College. I'd moved to New York City for my first job as a writer and editor at Seventeen Magazine. I had my first apartment, my first little green American Express card, and I had a very big secret. My secret was that I had this gun loaded with hollow-point bullets pointed at my head by the man who I thought was my soulmate many, many times. The man who I loved more than anybody on earth held a gun to my head and threatened to kill me more times than I can even remember. I'm here to tell you the story of crazy love, a psychological trap disguised as love, one that millions of women and even a few men fall into every year. It may even be your story. I don't look like a typical domestic violence survivor. I have a BA in English from Harvard College, an MBA in marketing from Wharton Business School. I spent most of my career working for Fortune 500 companies, including Johnson & Johnson, Leo Burnett, and The Washington Post. I've been married for almost 20 years to my second husband, and we have three kids together. My dog is a black lab, and I drive a Honda Odyssey minivan. <laughs> so my first message for you is that domestic violence happens to everyone all races, all religions, all income and education levels. It's everywhere. And my second message is that everyone thinks domestic violence happens to women, that it's a women's issue. Not exactly. Over 85% no, of abusers are men. And yeah, domestic men abuse happens only in intimate, interdependent, long-term relationships. In other words, in families the last place we would want or expect to find violence, which is one reason domestic abuse is so confusing. I would have told you myself that I was the last person on earth who would stay with a man who beats me. But in fact, I was a very typical victim because of my age. I was 22. And in the United States, women ages 16 to 24 are three times as likely to be domestic violence victims as women of other ages. And over 500 women and girls this age are killed every year by abusive partners, 
boyfriends and husbands in the United States. I was also a very typical victim because I knew nothing about domestic violence, its warning signs or its patterns. I met Connor on a cold, rainy January night. He sat next to me on the New York City subway, and he started chatting me up. He told me two things. One was that he, too, had just graduated from an Ivy League school and that he worked at a very impressive Wall Street bank. But what made the biggest impression on me that first meeting was that he was smart and funny, and he looked like a farm boy. He had these big cheeks, these big apple cheeks and this wheat blonde hair, and he seemed so sweet. One of the smartest things Connor did from the very beginning was to create the illusion that I was the dominant partner in the relationship. He did this, especially at the beginning, by idolizing me. We started dating, and he loved everything about me, that I was smart, that I'd gone to Harvard, that I was passionate about helping teenage girls and my job. He wanted to know everything about my family and my childhood, my hopes and dreams. Connor believed in me as a writer and a woman in a way that no one else ever had. And he also created a magical atmosphere of trust between us by confessing his secret, which was that as a very young boy starting at age four, he had been savagely and repeatedly physically abused by his stepfather. And the abuse had gotten so bad that he had had to drop out of school in eighth grade, even though he was very smart. And he'd spent almost 20 years rebuilding his life, which is why that Ivy League degree and the Wall Street job and his bright, shiny future meant so much to him. If you had told me that this smart, funny, sensitive man who adored me would one day dictate whether or not I wore makeup, how short my skirts were, where I lived, what jobs I took, who my friends were, and where I spent Christmas, I would have laughed at you. Because there was not a hint of violence or control or anger in Connor at the beginning. I didn't know that the first stage in any domestic violence relationship is to seduce and charm the victim. I also didn't know that the second step is to isolate the victim. Now, Connor did not come home one day and announce, you know, hey, this, all this Romeo and Juliet stuff has been great, but I need to move into the next phase where I isolate you and I abuse you. <laughs> so I need to get you out of this apartment where the neighbors can hear you scream and out of this city where you have friends and family and coworkers who can see the bruises. Instead, Connor came home one Friday evening and he told me that he had quit his job that day his dream job. And he said that he had quit his job because of me, because I had made him feel so safe and loved that he didn't need to prove himself on Wall Street anymore. And he just wanted to get out of the city and away from his abusive, dysfunctional family and move to a tiny town in New England where he could start his life over with me by his side. Now, the last thing I wanted to do was leave New York and my, my dream job. But I thought you made sacrifices for your soulmate. So I agreed, and I quit my job, and Connor and I left Manhattan together. I had no idea I was falling into crazy love, that I was walking headfirst into a carefully laid physical, financial, and psychological trap.
The next step in the domestic violence pattern is to introduce the threat of violence and see how she reacts. And here's where those guns come in. As soon as we moved to New England, you know that place where Connor was supposed to feel so safe? He bought three guns. He kept one in the glove compartment of our car. He kept one under the pillows on our bed. And the third one he kept in his pocket at all times. And he said that he needed those guns because of the trauma he'd experienced as a young boy. He needed them to feel protected. But those guns were really a message for me. And even though he hadn't raised a hand to me, my life was already in grave danger every minute of every day. Connor first physically attacked me five days before our wedding. I was reading something. It was 7 a.m. I still had on my nightgown. I was working on my computer trying to finish a freelance writing assignment, and I got frustrated. And Connor used my anger as an excuse to put both of his hands around my neck and to squeeze so tightly that I could not breathe or scream. And he used the chokehold to hit my head repeatedly against the wall. Five days later, the ten bruises on my neck had just faded, and I put on my mother's wedding dress, and I married him. Despite what had happened, I was sure we were going to live happily ever after. Because I loved him, and he loved me so much. And he was very, very sorry. He had just been really stressed out by the wedding and by becoming a family with me. It was an isolated incident, and he was never going to hurt me again. It happened twice more on the honeymoon. The first time, I was driving to find a secret beach, and I got lost. And he punched me in the side of my head so hard that the other side of my head repeatedly hit the driver's side window. And then a few days later, driving home from our honeymoon, he got frustrated by traffic, and he threw a cold Big Mac in my face. Connor proceeded to beat me once or twice a week for the next two and a half years of our marriage. I was mistaken in thinking that I was unique and alone in this situation. One in three American women experiences domestic violence or stalking at some point in her life. And the CDC reports that 15 million children are abused every year. 15 million. So actually, I was in very good company. Back to my question. Why did I stay? The answer is easy. I didn't know he was abusing me. Even though he held those loaded guns to my head, pushed me downstairs, threatened to kill our dog, pulled the key out of the car ignition as I drove down the highway, poured coffee grinds on my head as I dressed for a job interview. I never once thought of myself as a battered wife. Instead, I was a very strong woman in love with a deeply troubled man, and I was the only person on earth who could help Connor face his demons. The other question everybody asks is, why doesn't she just leave? Why didn't I walk out? I could have left any time. To me, this is the saddest and most painful question that people ask, because we victims know something you usually don't. It's incredibly dangerous to leave an abuser, because the final step in the domestic violence pattern is kill her. 
Yeah. Over exactly. 70% of domestic violence murders happen after the victim has ended the relationship, yep. after she's gotten out, because then the abuser yep. has nothing left to lose. Other outcomes include long-term stalking, even after the abuser remarries, denial of financial resources, and manipulation of the family court system to terrify the victim and her children, who are regularly forced by family court judges to spend unsupervised time with the man who beat their mother. And still we ask, why doesn't she just leave? I was able to leave because of one final sadistic beating that broke through my denial. I realized that the man who I loved so much was going to kill me if I let him. So I broke the silence. I told everyone. The police, my neighbors, my friends and family, total strangers. And I'm here today because you all helped me. We tend to stereotype victims as grisly headlines, self-destructive women, damaged goods. The question, why does she stay, is code for some people for it's her fault for staying, as if victims intentionally choose to fall in love with men intent upon destroying us. But since publishing Crazy Love, I have heard hundreds of stories from men and women who also got out, who learned an invaluable life lesson from what happened, and who rebuilt lives, joyous, happy lives, as employees, wives, and mothers, lives completely free of violence, like me. Because it turns out that I'm actually a very typical domestic violence victim and a typical domestic violence survivor. I remarried a kind and gentle man, we have those three kids. I have that black lab, and I have that minivan. What I will never have again, ever, is a loaded gun held to my head by someone who says that he loves me. Now, right now, maybe you're thinking, wow, this is fascinating, or wow, how stupid was she? But this whole time, I've actually been talking about you. I promise you, there are several people listening to me right now who are currently being abused, or who were abused as children, or who are abusers themselves. Abuse could be affecting your daughter, your sister, your best friend right now. I was able to end my own crazy love story by breaking the silence. I'm still breaking the silence today. It's my way of helping other victims. And it's my final request of you. Talk about what you heard here. Abuse thrives only in silence. You have the power to end domestic violence simply by shining a spotlight on it. We victims need everyone. We need every one of you to understand the secrets of domestic violence. Show abuse the light of day by talking about it with your children, your coworkers, your friends and family. Recast survivors as wonderful, lovable people with full futures. 
recognize the early signs of violence and conscientiously intervene, de-escalate it, show victims a safe way out. Together, we can make our beds, our dinner tables, and our families the safe and peaceful oases they should be. Thank you. Thank you. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You of California. Congressman, thanks very much for coming in. If Stormy Daniels uh, was physically threatened, as this allegation has now come forward by someone close to the president in order to try to cover up this affair, that would be a very serious matter. Should there be, in your opinion, a criminal investigation? I just don't know. I mean, this whole thing is just spinning out of control. We've got the president of the United States in a situation where his entire White House is falling apart. And just yesterday, we learned that Russia is hacking into our essential utilities, nuclear power plants, on and on and on. This presidency is a very serious security threat to the United States. And if that security threat goes to these women, it's just one more thing. That ought to say us, it's time to get this guy out of there. Well, is, is Congress, should Congress investigate, do something, if there were, in fact, physical threats against this woman? The first place to go is the district attorney in Los Angeles, if that's where the threat took place. And then we'll see where it goes. It goes beyond that. If there is something beyond that. The list of commandments was deliberately and artificially inflated to get it up to 10. It's a padded list. Here's what they did. About 5,000 years ago, a bunch of religious and political hustlers got together to try to figure out how to control people, how to keep them in line. They knew people were basically stupid and would believe anything they were told. So they announced that God had given them some commandments. Up on a mountain, when no one was around, God had given them the Ten Commandments. 
But let me ask you this. When they were sitting around making this shit up, why did they pick 10? Why 10? Why not 9 or 11? I'll tell you why. Because 10 sounds official. <laughs> 10 sounds important. They knew if it was 11, people wouldn't take it seriously. Say, so what, are you kidding me? The 11 commandments? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but 10... Ten sounds important. Ten is the basis for the decimal system. It's a decade. It's a psychologically satisfying number. The top ten, the ten most wanted, the ten best dressed. So having ten commandments was really a marketing decision. <laughs> and to me, it's clearly a bullshit list. It's a political document artificially inflated to sell better. I'm going to show you how you could reduce the number of commandments and come up with a list that's a little more workable and logical. We're going to start with the first three, and I'll use the Roman Catholic version because those are the ones I was taught as a little boy. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not have strange gods before me. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Thou shalt keep holy the Sabbath. Right off the bat, the first three, pure bullshit. <laughs> Sabbath. Sabbath day, Lord's name, strange gods. Spooky language. <laughs> Spooky language. Designed to scare and control primitive people. In no way does superstitious nonsense like this apply to the lives of intelligent, civilized humans in the 21st century. You throw out the first three commandments, whoosh, you're down to seven. Next, honor thy father and mother. Obedience, respect for authority just another name for controlling people. The truth is, obedience and respect should not be automatic. They should be earned. They should be based on the parent's performance. Parent's performance. Right? Some, some parents deserve respect. Most of them don't. Period. You're down to six. Now, in the interest of logic, something religion is very uncomfortable with, we're going to jump around the list a little bit. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Stealing and lying. Well, actually, these two both prohibit the same kind of behavior. Dishonesty, stealing, and lying. So you don't need two of them. Instead, you combine them and you call it, thou shalt not be dishonest. And suddenly, you're down to five. And as long as we're combining, I have two others that belong together. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Once again, these two prohibit the same kind of behavior, in this case, marital infidelity. The difference is coveting takes place in the mind, and I don't think you should outlaw fantasizing about someone else's wife. Otherwise, what's a guy going to think about when he's waxing his carrot? <laughs> but, but marital fidelity is a good idea, so we're going to keep the idea and call this one, thou shalt not be unfaithful. And suddenly, we're down to four. But when you think about it, honesty and fidelity are really part of the same overall value. So in truth, you could combine the two honesty commandments with the two fidelity commandments and give them simpler language, positive language instead of negative, and call the whole thing, thou shalt always be honest and faithful, and we're down to three. Thou shalt, thou shalt, they're going away, they're going away fast. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. This one is just plain fucking stupid. <laughs> Coveting your neighbor's goods is what keeps the economy going. <laughs> all right? Your neighbor gets a vibrator that plays Oh Come All Ye Faithful. <laughs> you want to get one too. 
Coveting creates jobs. Leave it alone. You throw out coveting and you're down to two now. The big honesty and fidelity commandment and the one we haven't talked about yet. Thou shalt not kill. Murder. The fifth commandment. But when you think about it, <laughs> when you think about it, religion has never really had a big problem with murder. Not really. More people have been killed in the name of God than for any other reason. All you have to do... All you have to do is look at Northern Ireland, the Middle East, Kashmir, the Inquisition, the Crusades, and the World Trade Center to see how seriously the religious folks take thou shalt not kill. The more devout they are, the more they see murder as being negotiable. It's negotiable. You know? It depends. It depends. It depends on who's doing the killing and who's getting killed. So, with all of this in mind, I leave you with my revised list of the two commandments. <laughs> Thou shalt always be honest and faithful to the provider of thy nookie. <laughs> and thou shalt try real hard not to kill anyone. Unless, of course, they pray to a different invisible man from the one you pray to. <laughs> two is all you need. Moses could have carried him down the hill in his fucking pocket. And if they had a list like that, I wouldn't mind those folks in Alabama putting it up on the courthouse wall. As long as they included one additional commandment, thou shalt keep thy religion to thyself. Department. In the bullshit department, a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman. Because I got to tell you the truth, folks. I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe in awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the Invisible Man has a special list of ten things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these ten things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. He loves you, and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all-powerful, all-perfect, all-knowing, and all-wise. Somehow, just can't handle money. Religion takes in billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and they always need a little more. Now, you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy shit.
Okay. I've had some people ask me, what is that music you play on your show? What is that? <laughs> what is the music? Um, it's basically stuff chosen by me. And a lot of times I'll play this type of upbeat music to try to get my audience to relax, um, to, um, you know, have fun, basically, because I know about all the uh, strange things and the awful things that are going in the, on in this world. People need something, I think, anyway, something to uplift them if, to, when, if and when they're listening to the show, uh, to uplift them, because you, you have a lot of people out here who live alone. A lot of people out here who have lost their jobs. A lot of people who have lost on the verge of losing everything. And if they're tuning into this show, I- I'll give them uh, the news of the day or whatever's going on or, or I'll do some flashbacks or something like that. But uh, I want people to get up and dance or something like that and just feel good, just, uh, bob their head, bob their feet uh, in these times because you have to, I think you have to, um, kind of look away from what's going on, but not too far. Hang in there. Things will get better, hopefully. Uh, this uh, uh, stay-at-home thing, uh, shelter-in-place, a lot of people, you know, aren't uh, gonna uh, deal with it much longer. That's why some of the states are actually opening, uh, uh, opening back up because even. I wanted to open back up, you know. A lot of people have lost their jobs. And a lot of people will not be getting those jobs back. Only essential workers would be coming back to those jobs. So a lot of those folks who are out of work will remain out of work until they start looking for something else or until their unemployment runs out. And I would say to people, don't let your – if you're getting unemployment, don't let it run out. Try to find a job before it runs out, if we can get through this pandemic. And there's people who are saying that – um this pandemic may last on into June. Some are saying even on into the election. We don't know. We have to see. But I do know it's it's really ridiculous um, for the United States to be in this uh, predicament. We lead the world in infections and deaths. My understanding, we're over 53,000 uh, people dead at this point in time. Tomorrow, it could be. 60,000 or 70,000, the number keeps going up and up and up and up and up and up. You know, so right now it's 53, 54,000. But it's going to increase from whatever it is. But I do know it's over 50,000 people dead. That's ridiculous. And like so many others, I'm blaming Trump for his late start on this. And I'm also blaming Trump for his stupidity, his ignorance. It's BS when he goes to that briefing stage. I'm hearing now that he's going to cancel uh, those briefings. He's not going to go to them. He's thinking about it or something. I couldn't give a damn if he ever walk on stage to a briefing because I don't watch them anyway. They're not newsworthy. They're a waste of your time. I, I don't even like the guy on my TV. Every time I see him on my television, I have to turn it. I, I don't like the way he talks, looks, mean, nasty, vindictive, son of a gun. No way. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, back to the music. I, I play basically the type of stuff that I like. I want to actually kind of create my own. Uh, I can create my own music uh, easily and upload it. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, 
I just love music and I want people to enjoy it as they listen to the show. That's why I play it. I don't I don't really play it for me. I play it for you. I play it for the listeners. Because I want you after hearing something so serious and you it makes you feel depressed, you get down, you get lonely. And if I play something that you know makes you get up and dance, shake your head or whatever, uh it, it'll give you a little bit uh of prolonging as I call it, you'll start feeling good. And you may even start feeling positive about doing what you can to better your situation. Music is powerful. It's powerful. It is totally powerful. And that's why I do it. I do it for you, not for me. And uh, I played one song. I'm not going to name it. One day, one day, and this lady called me. She said, what is the name of that song? What is that? I want to get it. I don't well you she she's gonna go out and get it. Um I don't know if she could if she found it or not, but you know. Anyway, I, I like get, getting those type of things, uh and I play the music not for myself, but it rocks me too. I'm and being a musician myself and playing a lot of these these songs from these people I grew up with listening to and playing them at the same time. It is good for me. I mean, we're in a pandemic now. We're in, and I think people need something to uh, um, take them away, even for just a moment or so. I think that'll bring some sort of positiveness into their situation. And that's what this show is all all about. I I was criticized um, by one person I will not name. Um, she felt that I was wasting my time trying to make the world a better place. She said, "Why are you doing that crazy stuff? You're not. You're never gonna make the world a better place." Uh, she was just uh, someone who was just trying to, like so many other people, at times, trying to belittle what I do, belittle what I did, belittle what I love. I I I never let people do that. You either come along or you don't. You either appreciate it or you don't you either like it or you don't either way you know it's not going to bother me because i've been doing this for a long time and no one person is going to say negative things uh, and make me feel bad about what i'm doing as trying to bring me to stop or to get me to stop or to get me to feel bad or to get me to feel worthless it's not going to happen so don't you either like the show or you don't. You either like me or you don't. I don't care. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing because I've been doing it for a long time, way before I met you. <laughs> so uh, if you're trying to stop me from doing what I'm what I'm doing, you're too late. I'm already, I'm already excuse me I'm already out here. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show at 7:03 p.m. in in the, um, the city of Chicago. Um, things keep, you ever been on a computer and you're on the computer and you're trying to do something, maybe you like write or you're on Facebook or LinkedIn and all of this garbage pops up. <laughs> People are, uh, trying to get you to buy stuff, to sell stuff or, or, or your, your, um, drivers need updating or something like that. And, um, yeah, I, I get that. I try to ignore it, uh, but sometimes you can find this stuff. If if you have this problem where if you're on a computer and you're trying to do something, I'm not, I'm not talking about a phone or an iPhone. I don't, I don't use phones. I, I have them, but I don't use them for, uh, for what I do. 
I'm talking about laptop computers. If you have a laptop computer and you're on the computer and all this stuff keeps popping up in front of you, I'm, it pops up on the phones also, but uh, if it pops up, um, I think there, I think you can go in your uh, control panel and find this stuff uh, and, and um, uninstall it, uninstall it because there's no doubt about it. Since the beginning of time, since the beginning of time in these computers, people install crap on your computer that you don't even know is there. The only time you find out that it's there is when you get something saying uh, uh, your memory is uh, decreasing or your driver is messed up or something like that or you need more RAM, or what they used to call it. And usually I go, when I have the time, I'll go to the uh, control panel and I will see all of this stuff on my computer that I didn't put there. I didn't put it there. So I just immediately start uninstalling that stuff. That is, that companies and install stuff on your computer without your knowledge. I mean, you're sleeping at night and suddenly you don't really know that you're computer and your phone is being deluged with crap from companies trying to sell you stuff and from scammers that are trying to get into your bank account and stuff like that. Um, it happens and I'm, uh, I'm not used to it. I get pretty, really pissed off. And sometimes when you hear that ding, that means somebody is trying to get in touch with me and it might be uh, uh, malware or something like that. They're trying to tell you that malware or some sort of um, virus is trying to, you know, impregnate your computer and stuff like that. And uh, I, and if I find that it's on there, I just, I just go to control panel and I go scroll down and I find out what's on here. You, you, when you go to control panel, you have to be careful of what you delete or what you uninstall, because if you uninstall something that's very important that the computer needs then you, you, you're going to be out of a computer. You may have to go buy another one. Or you can take it to some uh, person who, or a store that uh, fixes computers. They will charge you an arm and a leg because they're not doing any business. So you're the only person that walks in there with a laptop and say, hey, well, I have a virus on here. Get rid of it. They're going to charge you more than what you paid for the computer. <laughs> they will. Because, you know... It, in these times, you know, uh, people are out of work. A lot of businesses are sheltered or they have altered hours. And nobody comes in a much. So if you walk in there, they're going to they're gonna nail you for the cost. Believe me, I know. All right, you've been listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. And I believe we will be right back with, we should have a guest later on in this week I guess but um, you know so we'll we'll look out for that we will look out for that so okay George Wilder Jr. show let's see what this is Dr. Robert Redfield was totally misquoted in the media on a statement about the fall season and the virus Totally misquoted. You were accurately quoted, correct? I'm accurately quoted in the Washington Post. What Dr. Redfield clearly was asking for, just like we asked for every American 
to follow the guidelines. He's saying, please add to that guidelines getting your flu shot and making and now, sure you're protected. You say there's a good chance that COVID will not come back. We don't and know. And COVID comes back, it's in a very small confined area. I think COVID will come back. I think there will be uh, a second affection because people people will not adhere to stay at home for Trump, it's Dixon White here, sending a video letter directly to you, sir. And the only reason I call you sir is because the office that you hold is supposed to be a respectable office. But so I just want to speak directly to you, Mr. Trump. I know you may never get this video. Maybe you will, though, because at least I have white skin like you. But First, I wanted to applaud you for one thing, and only one thing. Um, many racists in politics are very covert. So I applaud you for being an open racist, and I applaud you for at least letting us see just how racist you are. And it's now it's it's well established worldwide that you are a bona fide white supremacist. Um, there's not a nation that hasn't condemned you as a racist. So you have dishonored and disgraced one of the, the highest office, offices in the land. 
But I wanted to say one thing. You made a comment yesterday about shithole countries, poor, black, brown countries. So because they're poor, because they're black and brown and not white or European, you consider them shitholes. Well, I wanted to give you an accurate definition of a shithole nation. A shithole nation, by definition, would be a nation like America that allows and tolerates a racist to operate in their highest office, the presidency. That is a shithole nation. A nation that tolerates a racist president. There is no worse pile of shit or turd in the toilet out of all the other countries than a great nation like America that allows its president to be an open white supremacist and then to allow them to continue to function as president. That's the biggest turd in the pot, or as you say, the biggest shithole. Why? Because you, Mr. Trump, are the shit, the turd, in the White House that's staining and putting the foul odor all over our nation. And of course, the only reason you're there is because you're a racist. You're a complete and utter idiot with no competency whatsoever to be where you're at. The only reason you're there is because we had a black president and our racist nation wanted a racist president after a black president. So until America can get past its racism, which I don't know if it ever has, because there's one thing about black folks, Mr. Trump. Black folks have always understood one thing. The more things change in this country, the more they stay the same. You are living proof that any white person, no matter how racist they are, and matter of fact, racism is actually more of a compliment in this nation. It's like apple pie, racism in America. They go hand in hand. If you're a white American, you're a racist, and you've, and you've proven that. And not only are you a racist, if you're a racist, you get rewarded for being a racist in this country. Why? Because we are a racist organization called America. Fact. And nothing has changed. In 400 years, what has really changed? We're still seeing black and brown folks executed in the street. Not that you and Jeff Sessions or any of your racist motherfucking cabinet care. You don't give a fuck about justice for people of color. You're all a group of white nationalists. So I just want to tell you, here's one white guy. And I'm telling you personally, Donald Trump, kiss my white fat ass. I hate you, Donald Trump. I literally hate you. And I pray to God you get impeached. You're an embarrassment to our nation and upon the world. Please do us all a favor and resign. Oh, he's the not only people that. that want you in office are more racist. And yes, I know that our country, resign, the majority of white people are racist. Indicted. And the majority of white people totally and completely support you. I really believe that. Because they're not supporting you, then they're silently ignoring your racism. But anyhow, please do us all a favor. 
in Congress, please act to remove this racist motherfucker and his racist administration, or Congress is no better. Congress please is no better. remove this racist motherfucker from office. It's 2018, guys. And if we can't remove this racist motherfucker from office, America is no better than it was 400 years ago. Folks, this goes all the way back to 2018. This shows you that Donald Trump, for the three years he's been in office, he has been upsetting Americans uh, from day one. Day one, bragging about his large crowds, and there was none. Uh, Donald Trump has to go. He has to go. This guy is a virus himself. You're talking about the... Uh, COVID-19, we have COVID-19 in the White House, and his name is Donald Trump. His, I mean, his, his, um, what was I going to say? His daughter, Ivanka Trump, is pissed off at Americans. Why is she pissed off? She's pissed off because we won't call him President Donald Trump. I mean, if you look at all the correspondence, if you hear people talking, whether it's on the news, internet, or around the house, they, they all say, Trump. Trump this, Trump that. People do not say President Trump, and she's very upset at that. And she's very upset. What else? What else is she upset at? Um, I think she's upset at the people in the uh, people who don't want him doing briefings anymore anymore because they're they're not newsworthy. It's just a bunch of lies, a bunch of bullshit. He's blabbering and <laughs> blabbering on. And basically, these meetings are all about himself. These briefings are all about himself. And he's campaigning on television instead of uh, at his rallies. As you know, he wants to open the, uh, open up the uh, state for one thing only. Well, two things only. To make money and to get back to his stupid rallies with his stupid, ignorant uh, supporters. And I, I don't say that lightly, but... If you are a Trump uh, supporter, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to tell you this. I think you're dumb and you're stupid. You this because he is dumb and stupid. And I'm hearing that the supporters are uh, his supporters uh, will do anything he say. And I'm hearing now. I'm always hearing <laughs> that there are so many people who are actually drinking. Uh, disinfectant and Lysol because he said to do it briefings. How can people be so dumb? But they are. They're drinking this shit. And I don't think it's a a whole hell of a lot of people who are downing (laughs) disinfectant. But, um, you know, but there are probably some. Uh, And a lot of these people are going to get sick. A lot of them are going to die. And you just can just smell the lawsuits that are going to be coming up Donald Trump's ass because of this. Right now, he's trying to say, hey, don't drink it, don't drink it, don't drink it. It's too late. And then he's trying to say, uh, he said it was a prank. Then he said it was a joke. Now he doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) Now he wants to end all the briefings. I'm pretty sure his handlers want him to end all those briefings because he just, he, he doesn't know how to talk. He he thinks he does. He thinks he's the smartest person in the room. He's said it a million times, a million times, pointing at his 
you know, forehead, his brain as if he's the smartest guy in the world. And people are telling him that he's the dumbest and the stupidest. He's uneducated. He doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care. He's a con man. He's a traitor. He's a criminal. For all the three years that he's been in office, he's been all of those things. And the only thing Donald can do as president, anything, is to hurt people. He's coming. I I said this three years ago when he was in office, that he was coming after American people. And that's what he's been doing for the last two or three years, coming after us. He wants to take away Social Security. He wants to do food stamps. He wants to do this. He wants to do that. Because why does he, why is he coming after us? Because he knows we don't like him. We, he knows that we say horrible things about him, and he doesn't like it. And he's a fighter. And in, and in his mind, he's going to hit back. Wow. And with this latest debacle, and he's been raked over the coals, telling people to adjust disinfectant, it could clean the lungs. And now his, <laughs> I, I just can't, you know, I, can't, I just have to laugh at that. Every time I read it or if I say it, I just have to laugh because it's crazy. It is crazy. And now he's trying to pretend like he didn't say it. His handlers are telling him uh, to focus on something else. Uh, um, He wants to stop the briefings. He should stop them. He should have never started them. Because he doesn't know what he's doing. A lot of, I mean, he's talking about the pandemic. Nobody wants to hear from Trump on the pandemic. We want to hear from the doctors. We, We want to hear from the experts. We want to hear from the scientists for what we should do don't know crap you hear from trump if you listen to trump trump will get you killed and i'm and i'm talking literally because if you think about it his blood is on the blood is on his hands why because he failed to recognize this pandemic way back in december even january he just brushed it off and then he tells people it's going to go away magically by the summer or by April. And, yeah, he said that it was going to go away by April. And we have over 52,000 deaths. Trump owes America an apology. And obviously, we know he will never do that, even if it is his fault. We have to work hard to get this man out. We have to work hard to get him out of office or he will kill us all. And I mean that seriously. Anytime some guy wants you to take some drug that's not approved and the doctors are saying, don't do it, don't do it. And and they're pushing it. Trump's pushing it. Fox News is pushing it because Trump is pushing it. An unsafe drug with with all kinds of side effects, I'm told. And he doesn't, I think it's high hydroxychloroquine, and he doesn't push it anymore. He, he doesn't push it anymore. At one time, he was like, take this, take this, take this, take this. Why? Because he had some sort of investment in it, 
It was about money. He didn't give a fuck if he wanted us to take it. He didn't give a fuck if it killed us. Because the more people die, the less people can vote. 50,000 people, 52,000 people dead. That's 52,000 votes. That won't happen in November because they're dead. And Trump likes that. They can't vote against him. The more people die, the more they can't vote. Biden is talking about Trump may postpone the November election, push it further on down, further on down the, um, the map there. Instead of November, it might be held in you know, December or January. But I don't think he could do that. He to. I, I really don't think he can do it. I mean, I think he would have to have a constitutional mandate to do that. I think Congress, both houses of Congress, would have to mandate that. But we have a Democratic House, so it's not going to be possible. So that's a pipe dream for him. But he will try. He may try to do something he can't do, or he may threaten to do it. This man is an asshole. I mean, he's going to get worse and worse and worse. Adam Schiff had it correct. I mean, if you saw the, if you saw Donald Trump's uh, impeachment a few months ago, and you saw Adam Schiff leading the impeachment and giving his um, statements on it, he was he was dead on the money. If you haven't heard Adam Schiff's uh, impeachment speech, um. On Trump, hey, it's all over YouTube, okay? It's all over the internet. Check it out. It it was good. And a lot of people, there's a doubt a lot of people want to see Trump impeached again. I would like to see him impeached again. But I don't think it's going to happen. But I do think that the Democrats are doing something. I think secretly they're investigating him. This man is a criminal. He should be in jail. He should be in prison. Because the longer he's out here and the longer he's president and have all that power, we are <laughs> walking dead people under this guy. Under this guy. All right, you've been listening to the George Water Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio, folks. We're gonna we're just about off the air. Thanks for lis- listening, everybody. Stay safe out there. Stay in. Stay safe. Uh, follow the guidelines. And stay because too many people are dying, and that doesn't make sense. The more people die, the more. The happier Trump is, and we don't need to make him happy. We need to get him the fuck out of that White House. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening.
lay me down before I go to sleep. In a troubled world, I pray the Lord to keep, keep hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.